0: Love, talk, radio.
1: It's September 4th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good, good. leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. Listen now and also you can follow us on Twitter. Unfortunately, there were more shootings this past week, Labor Day weekend at Midland and Odessa, Texas, and at a football game in Alabama. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all affected, and please let us observe a moment of silence for the families, friends, of all those affected by this carnage. Moment of silence, please. Thank you. Before moving on, I'd like to remind everyone that we are the UAW. The UAW is our union and never forget it. Also, As you may or may not know, those of us that are more personalities on this show so that you know who we are if we show up somewhere, Jeff and I in particular discussed whether we should go down to Woodward and be a presence, and we decided against that. We chose not to be divisive in any way, shape, or form. Many, many members of the caucus did go and participate, but you don't know who they are, and we thank them for doing that. But us, we chose not to be participating because you have to be very, very careful not to be divisive in our union right now. You see, there's a new rule at the National Labor Relations Board. If management so much as even senses that any union does not have majority support among its membership, then management may simply ask the NLRB, the NLRB to decertify the union without a vote. Anyone, anyone or group of members that go and give management a reason to believe that we're not unified in any way or show that we don't support our union is not your friend they may cause you to lose your union this is not a game for self-aggrandizement. Jeff and I know that. The others around us know that. We support our union 100%. be careful talking bad about your union. You may not have one if you keep it up. The announcements will be abated this evening. This is a special show, sort of recap some things that occurred over the holiday. And Discuss some things that haven't been discussed. If you've seen the caption for our show, you get what's about to come before you. This is not 100% Union culpability here, and we're going to get into that later. Email messages portion of the show. We had several different things of concern, uh, but mostly we received hundreds of communications expressing sadness, disgust, anger, and even hate over our union members being charged in the activities that occurred. We don't have an answer for that. It's just sad. And we share that sadness. But it's not just our members. And you're going to see that. There's culpability all over the place. Whether legal, whether it's ethical or unethical, or illegal we're going to bring it to your attention we're going to take management's nose and rub it right through that dirt that has been oozing oozing from the pores of Jefferson Avenue both ends of it so so well, let me bring Jeff on real quick. I thought I had him on here.
0: Oh,
1: there it is. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, Right? How are you?
1: Pretty good. You know, as good as we can be. Uh, you know, we've been under attack, but we're not the only ones, you know, that sit at that table. And we're going to show some stuff. You know, we've had a lot of people ask us, where's where's management on on all this? All they can do is beat us up? Well, yeah, there may be some wrongdoing. But there's a a lot of folks in that doggone camp over there. All right we're going to get to that. How's your week, Jeff?
0: Um, went pretty good. The the weather dampness got to me yesterday afternoon a little bit, but I'm doing okay. Good. It's been cool. It's
1: been cool here in mid-Michigan. Started today. We got, you know, I don't think we ever got above 70 today, so. start off with the definition here and then we're going to have uh, Jeff come in with a quote with this week's quote get on with the show here Uh, definition learned helplessness is the belief that we cannot change the course of negative events that failure is inevitable and insurmountable Learned helplessness is about responses to failure, not success. Learned helplessness is a control, not a competitive problem. What that all boils down to is that people look at what's going on, they feel helpless about changing it, and they just give up. I want to remind everybody. Our program two Sundays ago dealt with the fact that people are barred from holding office if they, for 13 years, if they do certain things. So uh, understand uh, that you know there, this isn't just a slap on the hand. Okay, all right uh just one second. I thought that okay uh so that's uh, uh that's the uh definition for this week. I apologize for that little brief interruption there um uh, and uh we have some suggested reading. And I hope that you're seeing sort of a theme here with this learned helplessness. I mean, the idea that you go to work every day and, and things are happening around you that you don't like and don't think are right, and you just kind of give up about trying to change them or get an essential justice for correction. That's called learned helplessness. You just give up. The, the failure is inevitable and insurmountable. There's nothing you can do. suggested reading corporate ethics initiatives as social control this argues the ethics and the means of, of the means and methods that already exist within the corporate structure and are implemented to exert control in the workplace such as environmental controls organizational controls and personal controls used to elicit conformity They may also be used to coerce the unwitting and unaware. Okay. We'll get into that a little more as uh, the show progresses. Jeff, are you ready for your quote?
0: Yes, sir. This week's quote, ideals get tarnished quickly under the corrosion of material prosperity, and that's by our father, Walter Ruth. Okay,
1: Jeff, do you right. want to, go ahead, do uh, you want to comment on that? No,
0: go
1: ahead. Uh, you know, it's pretty self, self, you know, uh, yeah. defining there. Yeah, ideals get tarnished quickly under the corrosion of material prosperity. Okay. Do you want to reiterate the three topics that we're uh, really uh, working on regarding our Constitution?
0: Sure. Jeff? Uh, Number one is Article 13, Section 22, that shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. So, we're talking about part time workers here, especially. Uh, Number two, the competitive clause appendix K to GM and J to Ford. Um, We don't know which one it is in FCA. Three, the UAW Constitution states that we must enforce the laws. That does not mean we are to put verbatim laws in the contract to remove the Pension Protection Act of 2006 from the 2019 contract. And I have... uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah, the ramifications are as follows. Okay, This, this is a different, by the way, I want everybody to understand, this is a different bargaining table this year. Because previous bargaining tables have violated our UAW constitution, albeit voted upon, by incentivizing people to vote for it in the tens of thousands of dollars. This one's different because there's a group out there called Working for a Living, and we recognize the constitutional violations in our CBAs, collective bargaining agreements. It was part of our platform when we ran for a high office in the National uh, international UAW. It was part of our plan. It's outlined, it's still outlined, exactly and specifically where we sent it, put it, and sent the delegates, the first time the delegates had ever been mailed to. In the history of the UAW, beyond the... Caucus of the administrative caucus, the Ruther caucus, or the Jones, whatever you want to call them. Those elements that violate the Constitution, we committed to changing then, and we're committed to changing yet today. So there's a third party at that table enforcing our Constitution on our collective bargaining agreements. And all All parties better take heed because we're not playing games with the lives of our membership through contracts that are at best questionable. Ramifications for violation of our UAW constitution because management accepts us as their exclusive bargaining agent, the UAW, and they accept us in in total for doing that. For violation, charges may well be levied at management for not accepting the UAW as exclusive bargaining agent with its own constitution that must be adhered to. attention. You have an obligation in certain elements of the Constitution to abide by it, the UAW Constitution. And you're going to do it. Or we're going to seek essential justice from the authorities that will force you to. Everybody needs to understand that. Our union already knows what they're subject to. This is about management today. You know, I I watched somebody over the weekend that's outspoken. And when they questioned the person, are you ready to take this to management? There was a long hesitation. This is on national media, right in front of everybody to watch. I'm going to tell you something. When they ask any one of our team members, are you ready to take it to management, there's no hesitation. None whatsoever. We simply say, yes, we are. Our union doesn't need connivers, doesn't need cheerleaders, it doesn't need bullies. What it needs is a group of people that management fears. And that hasn't been around for a long time. I've seen it in my day. I've actually been it in my day. But it's not there now. Okay, my turn for a little bit. Management, National Chamber of Commerce and local chambers, other non-union organizations have long been planning against our unions. One of the first of modern time was the Powell Memorandum of August 23, 1971. It sought to control government, school boards, city councils, county commissions, state houses, Congress, House of Reps, Senate, all the judicial branch, and the executive branches of government, all three. They spoke of doing that through the pulpit, through speaker networks, and about everything that you can talk about, including in the universities. And the purpose was to control the people at the bargaining table. That was 1971. 1982, I believe. Public in 83. By the way, the Powell Memorandum is on the sidebar of workingforaliving.com, the left sidebar. The Memo is also there. Its elements were more specifically directed at the UAW and the UAW leadership and how to control them and what their vices may be. There was a plan put in place for everything you're seeing today in our UAW. Everything. Control wages, benefits, downward. Speaking of wages and benefits, I, I want to say that one of the biggest challenges labor has before today is to convince people that they're actually worth a lot more, a lot more than what they actually are getting. And I'm going to tell you this, and there's several Comparisons. I say this from time to time, but this is the best one because the government always gets its share, right? They're always going to get their portion of attrition and inflation and everything else. Well, Social Security, the cap on it, which most of all our members, well, most all of our members don't have any notion of because the cap is simply never achieved these days. We used to pay the cap off, pay, make enough money to achieve the cap of Social Security by the 1st of May, plus or minus a week or so. Today that number is $132,900. So if you made that much money in the first four months, times it by three, and that's what you'd be making this year, that was our buy-in power in the middle 70s, middle to late 70s yes that number is $399,000. minus 300 bucks. Imagine making $400,000 today. Oh, that couldn't possibly happen. Well, it was happening and they were able to pay it. And we're going to get into some of the reasons they can't pay it right now. That they well, they can pay it, but they're not paying it because the money's not available at the bottom line. So we got the Powell memorandum, the Warren memo, and God knows how many unknown memos that have potential additional coercive item elements. Remember, we heard about you know the uh, uh, corporate ethics initiatives as a social control and how they use coercive, coercive manipulation of all of us to get what they want, okay? At least we forget all, not part of it, all of the money comes from management. We don't sell products. We, we give our labor, and for that we're supposed to receive fair remuneration and supposed to be equal and balanced. Corporate and labor, capital and labor come together for enterprise enterprise needs to be balanced but all the money comes from them and before the joint programs what's called tr- trinkets and trash or tra- trash and trinkets the jackets, the hats the, the little things they give you a pen here and a pin there came from the plant budget didn't come from the joint funds it was management who approved the money to stop coming from the plant budget into the joint front, but rather from the joint funds budget. Yes, we helped create it, and we made some approvals as a union. But in the end, it was management who tempted all, all, made money available and tempted all. With the new methods of purchasing trinkets and trash. They tempted. And they know they have, you know, PhDs and piled higher and deeper people, and, ma- and master's degree people, and so- so- sociologists, psychologists, and public re- uh, relations firms. Beyond the pale. They just have them falling off the tables when they need them. So they know how to manipulate us. And they've made this money available. Management did that. Not us. We set it at the table to approve it all. Okay, we're going to get into that in just a second. Jeff, I, I know you've been doing a lot of work in the last few weeks. One of the projects that you... Uh, Worked on, and without getting into names, I'm going to ask you at least one one telling question. Uh, I, I know that you identified vendor number one, and went and spoke with them, and they made a number of comments. And we're not going to get into a lot of that right now. But did vendor number one tell you that they had to put in an elevated Estimate, bid, or quote to the uh, approving authority in order to make these uh, products for trash and trinkets, we'll call them. Did they tell you they had to make a an elevated bid in order to pay everything? Yes. Was that a yes? Yes. I know they said a lot of things, buddy. But we're not going to get into a lot of that right now. But the important thing was that you just said yes. There was an elevated bid put in for approval, for signature approval. Brothers, sisters, and listeners, it is not just a union approval. Management sits at that table, and they have to countersign, or sign and we countersign. There are signatures that are required that are not all union signatures. But you didn't see any of those names in the press, did you? Mainstream media didn't cover that. They're despicable and disgusting because of it, too. But they're also being coerced and manipulated. Coercive manipulation. Because they're beholden to the dollar that they get in advertising. And dare not go against that that feeds them. Remember, management has all the money and it comes from them, all of it. All of the greed and tempts are rooted in management. So they approved as well the payments. What management... I'm sorry, what motivation did management have to do so? What motivated management? This was an elevated bid. We don't know how they were presented, as lower, or high or medium, but a little bit of research to find out what's supposed to be and what was presented in any, in any regard. And this wasn't done just once in a while. This was over, what we say, from six, 13 years, 12, 13 years, 12 years, something. Management was making those approvals too, right? Right? Management, you want to fight? Yeah. No gloves now. You can do your best and you're not going to beat us. Because we are the UAW. The UAW is our union. And don't you ever forget it. And don't you ever tempt our leadership in such a way ever again. And sign approvals yourself and then stand back and watch. Despicable you are. Names like Wagner, Ackerson, and Barra will go down in the annals of history as being despicable human beings that cared not for anything but the almighty dollar. Was this some grand method of corporate? coercive manipulation we don't know because we're not privy to all their plans but it does seem to be pretty good cover for management from the media regarding all of the other things that are going on including but not limited to unallocation allocation of five facilities in North America and arguably a breach of contract by doing so mid contract, unallocated AKA close in many of the instances. Isn't it management that has given aid and comfort to our enemies economic or to our country's economic enemies? Wars are very much different today. We have them on all fronts, including e- economic. I actually have a video of Lester Thoreau, Dean at MIT, Michigan Institute of Te- or I'm sorry, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology for Business. Saying that the rest of the world was at war with us, and this was a nineteen eighty eight video. the rest of the wars the rest of the world's at economic war with us. They all want to take our our place, every last country and he even mentioned Taiwan, giving aid and comfort to our enemies is also the the U.S. US Constitution's definition of treason. Our corporations that give aid and comfort to our economic enemies by giving them jobs, moving our plants overseas, and then retargeting our own marketplace to sell those products, are they culpable of treason? We ask Congress to review it. A lot of things going on about management here. On allocation, you know, looks like treason, walks like treason, sounds like treason. Maybe it's treason, right? And then there's my favorite. Dead peasants insurance been around since the late nineteen nineties that I know of. We all get contractual life insurance, for most all of us, in the Detroit three at least. So if you pass away they got enough money to bury
0: you.
1: And it's a nice benefit. But in addition to that life insurance, there's something called corporate life insurance, also known as dead peasants insurance. This is where they take money from the revenue stream or wherever else they can kind of skinny it out. You know, what carve it out of, uh, you know, a- appreciation of uh, trust funds, etc. You put a name to all those that you want, uh, We do have a pension trust fund, I think. Yeah, I think there's one of those. But not saying that that's occurring, but, you know, monies that come from just all sources of revenue available to them, the leaders of the corporation. Remember, remember, corporations have pretty much purchased Congress for their benefit when they send their lobbies down there, lobbyists, to get corporate-friendly laws and a lot of corporate welfare. I mean, just a couple of grants will make every – I mean, you could put every single mom on welfare into one of those grants and, and make, compare it. And just, just one, I mean, they're the same. I mean, and then there's all the rest of them that put single moms with children on welfare to shame. Corporate welfare dwarfs. any any social welfare program ever devised. But they also have the ability, with this garnering of corporate welfare to their corporations, they have the ability to also lobby for the leadership of the corporations. And they've done so with regard to what is... Um, commonly called dead peasants insurance, so it's legal, but you determine whether it's ethical or good for the country. Because remember, velocity of money is the best measure of a of a country's economy. That's how much money and how fast it's moving through the system. Right. And if you take money out of the hands of the middle class, there's less money and it's less likely to move faster through the system. So, as this revenue stream for corporations is run down through the, the system and then it gets to the bottom line, okay, they only show in so much profit, the, the amount that satisfies everybody. But corporate leaders are siphoning off money, scooching it over here through a side pipe, you know. It's kind of just, you know, like a, you've seen water pipes, you know. Well, this one's got one that goes off to the side. And this goes to an insurance company. In the billions of dollars, from what I can gather, they're buying life insurance on the retirees of their corporation, okay? And that, you know, they don't have to pay it very long because retirees die pretty quick, right? Pretty much everybody I hired in with is dead. When they worked in Chevrolet Flint manufacturing, affectionately called Chevy in the hole, with all the chemicals and soluble oils and everything else that we had there, they gave up their life. Part of it. And they die early. And that's why we got the benefits we get and the wages we get. So the retirees die pretty quick. And that money gets paid out by the insurance company. Tax free. So the government doesn't get any bite out of that apple right and it goes into the pension plan for the executive suite of the corporation whichever corporation that might be in the billions in the billions and they divide it up dependent between among themselves depending on their, their rank and it's you know, only the executive suite benefiting by this. The best we can figure out. That's the uh, vice presidents and the CFOs and the CEOs and the chairperson and the presidents and all of those folks. Chairperson, and the, uh, the like. Uh, we won't say any names because we don't want to get in trouble. But the head of the corporation. You you get who that is. You know those names. Right, you know, well, we knew one of those names, and it came to our attention that one of them had a pension plan, eight hundred fifty eight million dollars. person's name was Mark Fields. He was the CEO of the Ford Motor Corporation. As it happens, I had the opportunity to speak. On the capital steps of this cap the state house for the state of Michigan on May Day, 2017, May 1st, and I talked about him having 858 million dollar pension fund. I let everybody know. Matter matters of fact, I think they could probably hear me six or seven blocks away because I let it be known in large measure. As you might imagine. And there were people on the periphery videoing. They wouldn't be up close. If they were out on the sidewalk and they were standing there videoing. They didn't do it for other speakers, they did it for me. We had, I guess, 16 speakers that came and we all had about 15 minutes. So, and I was closer. Uh so we talked about him, and his salary at his last year was $21 million the last year at Ford. It was like 34 times his highest salary without taking tax or any living expenses out of it. It's like 34 times what his h- highest salary was, was in his pension plan. This is more money than he made at Ford by 34 times. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot of money. Where did that money come from? Arguably, it came from dead peasants insurance. The money that Corporate executives spent on life insurance that came back and that took it out of the revenue stream, come back tax-free, paid to them. None of the membership, that our membership that worked for it benefited by that money. The stock and bondholders did not benefit by that money. The communities in which the corporation exists did not benefit by that money. It was solely taken out of the revenue stream before the profit line and manipulated through life insurance back into their own pocket. That's a lot of money. That's just one person. I talked about him making $858 million in his pension plan. 34 times his normal salary, or his highest highest salary. 21 days later, three weeks to the day, the Ford Corporation fired their CEO, Mark Fields. 32 days later, my son's house burnt down where he was staying. Who knows. Jeff, did I explain that dead peasants insurance thoroughly? Yes you did,
0: Leroy. Yes you did. So we have um,
1: unallocation. You know, the definition of the of treason in the US constitution. And dead peasants going insurance going on all the time, and maybe some coercion. There's certainly plenty of plans against unions, but maybe. So, what do you think about all that? I mean, this is not the media's not talking about none of this, Jeff. But our members now know, don't they? Yeah,
0: they are learning quickly. Yes, yes, they are. I, I don't know. What do you think ought to be
1: done with corporate leaders like that, Jeff?
0: Well, first they we wouldn't be uh, leaders anymore. They would we probably be put in jail for a while. Maybe probation or corruption. I don't know. Leo. We haven't seen anything happen
2: before.
1: I don't know. You know. I mean, uh i i'm not I'm not sure what ought to be done with them, but I'm not too happy with all this going on and and we're the only ones in the media i mean, yeah, I'm not making any excuses for bad behavior, none of us are we're all sick to death of it, and you know, as you know, Jeff, there's a lot more out there. That we know about, and we're not reporting on it because it's time for somebody else to carry that water, but we know there's more coming. Yes, we do. But the problem is, where did the money come from? Where does all the money come from, Jeff?
0: Money comes from management companies.
1: Yeah, they make it all. Without a doubt. Right? You know, we don't sell That's anything. Right. We just provide labor exactly. in order for enterprise to work. So, I believe we have our brother Tom on here. Uh, I see you had your hand up, Tom. Uh, you want to
2: say a few words here? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity, first of all, Leroy. It's always enlightening when you get on and explain things to the membership uh, in a way that many of us can't do or even have an understanding what behind the scenes are actually taking place. It's one of the reasons why many of us supported you in your endeavor to uh, take over the highest spot in the International Union unsuccessfully, but uh, never give up. Leroy. still in there hammering away, and we all appreciate that. You're like a guardian to this membership, many of us who know you. You have ne- uh, never deserted your union. You've always uh, highlighted the inadequacies, not only in yourself, but also in this great union, only to make yourself better, or me better, or Jeff better, or the membership better. But uh, we all are fallible. Every single one of us that walk this planet are fallible. We're, we're human beings. But guess what? My union isn't. And I listened to you on the car on my way back in. You knew where I was at. And uh, I listened to you. You hit, the, you hit the nail right right on the head uh, about your union. Your union is not a human being. It has rules and guidelines that govern us, and we've lost our way. Right? Is it lack of leadership, or is it lack of the membership taking it into their own hands to follow our UAW constitution? Uh, It's probably a little bit of both. But here again, there's Leroy carrying that torch and trying to preach to people out there and tell them there's a way we can handle this internally. We don't need the FBI. We don't need the government to take over our great union. We've had these tools in the toolbox for years, and we as a membership have failed our own union. Look in the mirror, everybody. Look in the mirror. We all can point fingers at people. But guess what? When you're pointing it in the mirror, it's coming right back at you. And Leroy, I can only thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, when I was attracted a to listening to your speech that May Day, and I said, this is a guy that we need in the international. How do we get him there? It's almost an impossible task. The barriers they have put up are almost, uh, they're a fortress, so to speak. But uh, things that are going on, we don't have the power and the authority to police that kind of action. It, it, it's, it's in the light now, the light of day. But, Leroy, you keep doing what you're doing. Jeff, you keep doing what you're doing, brothers. And I guarantee you, we are not attacking this great union. I watched the May Day Parade, and when I watched that parade, I got sick to my stomach. Yeah, we were pointing fingers, but that's sending the wrong signal. You ask the question... Solidarity, solidarity never ends for our union. We may not be in agreement with the hierarchy, but by God, we don't attack this thing that we call our union. We defend it, and we clean the corruption up with our own membership. We've got the tools. We've got to learn how to use them, and you're a great teacher, Leroy. I'm sorry I got on the bandwagon, but uh, uh, that's all I have to, uh, to contribute at this time, Leroy.
1: Well, okay, thank you, Tom. But you know, you got to keep doing what you're doing too. You bring, you know, you bring a lot to this team, uh, virtually every day, uh, and we we appreciate you as well. You know, and uh, you're also a nice keel uh, and rudder in the water for our own ship, working for a living. You know. Uh, we're loyal opposition, and we're all steering our boat. And, Tom, you oftentimes bring in ideas and thoughts and and sometimes um, mitigate some of those thoughts of others. So just know that what you're doing is much appreciated as well. And, Jeffrey, you know, I mean – Everybody calls you Spike. That knows you,
2: you know. They they
1: know <laughs> for well four four decades you've been hard at this, you know. Since they started Mazda at Flat Rock, you know, where you were part of putting that uh, whole union, local union together. I was been I was blessed to be able to work with some of the sit downers in the very building where the sit down strikes began. The second day I worked there. This is worth saying. I'm talking about myself, but it's worth saying because it's all about you, the membership, too. An old guy, obviously a sit-downer, he didn't wait around for some union awareness program, to give him authority to come by and say this or that. We were walking out of the plant, and he was from the back of the plant, and he made his way to the front as fast as he could the second day I worked there on the way out. And he come charging, he's running, he's an old guy. he grabbed my right shoulder with his left hand and squeezed good and hard, get my attention. And he said to me the following words. People died right here on this sidewalk, so you could work here today. And don't you ever forget it. brothers and sisters i used to think about him on my anniversary day the day i hired him and then i would think about him as a union leader on a pretty much a monthly basis when the union meeting come around i'd think about him and today not a day goes by that i don't think about him and what he brought to our union in helping organize it as one of the original organizers, what he empowered young people like me with the thought that those who went before us gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could enjoy benefits today, and we least forget that. And he said that, and it needs to be passed on. It needs to be passed on. I'm passing it on to you now, the words of a sit-downer. Remember those words when you start bad-mouthing our union. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks to all the rest of our team for everything they do. I mean, there's lots and lots of things uh, that we're aware of because of our investigative reporters nationwide worldwide and the people that bring so much value to our team. Thank you all. But it's only to make our UAW better. That's all it's about, making it better. We knew all of this was going on at convention. We couldn't say it we didn't know about Grimes but we know other stuff and had we ascended to leadership I would have stopped the majority of what's about to come before you because the stuff with Grimes had nothing to do with the raids last week There's more. And I promise you, had I ascended to leadership, I could have stopped it. We would have stopped it. People that thwarted that effort ought to be ashamed of themselves. Tom, do you have anything else
2: to add? No, I just uh, wanted to bring out one point, and I I might have missed it uh, in the car while I was trying to listen coming down the interstate, but uh, uh, under the dead peasants insurance, I'm not really sure. I was talking to a gentleman who you had a lengthy conversation with years ago over this issue, Uh, and he informed me that uh, back in... I would have to say probably in the 90s or maybe even before that, that in certain states, dead peasants insurance was illegal unless the person who they took the insurance out on signed off on it. And I don't know whether you I missed that part of the program or whether you went over that part of the program or not, but I believe Ohio and Michigan are two of those states that at one time required a signature from the person that the company-owned life insurance policy was taken out on. Um, And uh, I just wondered if you went over that point, because I I didn't hear you say that, and you may have, uh, because it was quite noisy.
1: It's well well taken. The dead peasants insurance, uh, in 2006, Treasury said, And some states, and it's my understanding, the Treasury, the Federal Treasury, said that uh, you must have the signature of the retiree in order to buy the dead peasants insurance on that person. Okay, so, I mean, what's the motivation for anybody to get, you know, upwards of a billion dollars in your pension plan, right? Money. A lot of it. And they'll do just about anything to coerce those approving authorities to get that. And again, it's all about money, brothers and sisters and listeners. But that, yes, in in most states, and in, in my understanding, it's it's a federal uh, rule now by the Treasury. For, and since 2006 that you must have the authority, you must have the signature or the approval, the approval of the retiree to purchase dead peasant's insurance on them. Okay? And remember what that is. It's where they buy life insurance, and even when you pass away, they get the benefit. Walmart's been in all kind of trouble over this, by the way. There's you know, late 1990 cases where they've just been hammered pretty badly with that. So, well, we're about an hour in, uh, we don't want to take up a lot, a lot of time, but thank you for reminding me about that, Tom. Is there anything else that you
2: have? Uh, not off hand. We're I'm working on something else that we'll talk about. Uh, it came about with this trip that I took, uh, after I was done with uh, the golf outing, so to speak with my grandson. And, uh, uh, we'll talk about it later off air and uh, see what you think, but uh, there's some, uh, some different things going on that uh, quite frankly startled me. I also would like to thank any of the listeners that, that have posted on all the group pages, no matter what group pages you are on, and I scanned through quite a few of them, and I think you've noticed that too, Leroy over and, and Jeff, over the last several uh, weeks. The, the solidarity is definitely there, and I know the first part of the program you talked about the uh, uh, company is saying that uh, there, there's no sport for our, our our great union. There is, if if anybody would scan through the Facebook. Well, they, they, they the haven't doctrine.
1: said that. I want to be clear. They they haven't said that, but a company could do that.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to be clear. My, yeah, they have not said that. Could... Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, like but, I said, I was in a noisy
1: car, so I was getting bits and pieces. Yeah, We to need pay. to be clear that not our companies or anyone that we're dealing with this, yes. have said that. Right. that yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so, but right. yeah, and you know, thanks to all the members out there. You're right, Tom. Um, everybody that's on social media, for the most part, is expressing a lot of solidarity, uh, and we appreciate that. It's nice to see it. Uh, it's been a while coming and we're faced with a strike you know Dagen good bad or indifferent he uh always said that uh solidarity will always exist at a strike on a picket line and right. a few other places so it uh, we're yeah. seeing that come together right now so thank you brothers and sisters for all of that so yeah
2: yeah anything else Tom no, that's that's just about it. Uh, I believe that uh, most people will see that, that that we're together on this thing, and those folks out there are willing to do whatever it takes. So that's right. all I have to say, Leroy. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything on any subject to
1: close up wrap it up here?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll just try to do this real quick, Leroy.
2: Talk
0: yeah, sure. I of the uh, dead peasants' insurance back there in the. Uh, bailouts talks two thousand nine um, I was watching a news cable news outlet and um, to a political talking head. He was talking about um, people accusing the UAW workers of making seventy dollars an hour. He did a real good job of saying that that was not true. He told him how much we were making per hour. And then he told her, told people how much the benefits are worth for each individual, and all the benefits that we count have entitled that that came to seventy dollars an hour. We didn't make seventy bucks an hour, but when you include the you benefits, the 401ks, um, whatever, that reaches the seventy dollars an hour thing and then he went on and said that um this is back in 2009 so things could have changed that only company with x number of people can do this so they have to have so many employees to get this stuff so that's what i remember him talking about 10 years ago um because we were we were being accused of making 70 dollars an hour cash And he just flat out told everybody that it's totally untrue. It remains untrue to this day. You know, you got to remember we get the benefits, you know, and now now we've got these two tiers and most of the second tier people don't get the same um, coverage and the benefits. So let's let everybody know a little bit about that. That was 10 years ago, so that's when I
1: first heard about it. Not on, I have nothing else to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, again, uh, I, <laughs> I'm referencing our, our deceased friend Dick Dangin, and uh, he uh, uh, was a friend to everybody in the union. I, you know, not always viewed that way by everybody, but uh, uh, he. Noted that during the bankruptcy of General Motors, that the bankruptcy judge questioned these large expenditures for life insurance for the executives on, re, on the retirees, and it was simply dismissed as saying we we need to offer that benefit or we can't attract good executives. That's you know what they say all the time. They said the same thing when the last Constitutional Convention UAW increased what forty percent for the president wages. So uh yeah, we have to pay that in order to get attract good good uh people and that's not necessarily true. There's people out there who do that for nothing in some cases. So uh you, you know, that's that's a point well taken, Jeff. We we don't make those large numbers that they keep laying on us. That includes our, our health care, our eyes, our, our uh, you know, for vision care and dental care. Also uh, folds in the, the pension, whether it's defined or defined uh, defined contribution, uh, the 401K where they match it. So that, uh, that money is all of what they expend on us. And some of it we don't see for... Decades later, you know. So, uh, we're happy that it's part of the package that we some people died to get for us, quite frankly. So, thank
0: exactly.
1: you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, having said all of that, uh, I want to reiterate to everybody listening. It's been just a little over an hour, so not t- not too long. The last couple shows have been pretty long. We're not going to go do that tonight. So, but I want to reiterate in the case of the UAW members and listeners we are the uaw we the uaw is our union and we can put good leaders in that'll stop all this it's not over but like i said tonight Management is not without culpability here. I hope that you found that tonight we took the little puppy's nose and rubbed it in the crap right there on the floor, showed them up for who they are. And we're going to start letting the mainstream media know this too. This is a real good show for them to have reference of. Okay? With that, thank you, global listeners. Thank you, Canadian and Mexico listeners, North America. Thanks to our U.S. union and non union listeners, all of our UAW listeners. Have fun. Stay safe in the coming week. That's getting harder and harder to do. God bless each and every one of you and your families and your friends. Good night, listeners. Good night, Tom and Jeff.
2: Good night, everyone. Good night, Jeff and Lee Good Good night.